Hey guys, it's Ari Savir and you're listening to the All Blacks Podcast. Welcome, Comrade Smith, to the All Blacks podcast. I'm JP Tocker and uh, Andy Burt with me. How are you doing, dude? Good, mate. Pretty good. Stoked to chat to Conrad today. Mate, hard man to get hold of. <laughs> or are you just busy? Uh, I'm quite, quite life here in France. It's just the way it was planned. And uh, no, it's good. <laughs> Very few media requests up here. So uh, when I get one out of the blue from someone in New Zealand, Wellington even better, it's um, happy to oblige. And what's a typical day for you in France now, mate? Say um, your, your your off day, I guess you call it. What what's a typical day for you? Um, oh, mate, it would just be with the family. I've got a we've got a couple of kids now, and wife's wife's um, pretty much full time study because uh, she can't work over here. She's here on my visa, so she's studying, and so that's normally my day with the kids. And um, usually meet up with some of the other Kiwi lads. There's a pretty good crew of us here, and. Um, you know, kick around with them for a while. They've, most of us have got little kids now too, so we do family things and try and enjoy the, well, the sunshine when it's here. At the moment, it's a pretty tough winter, but yeah, that, that's my typical day, pretty pretty tough life. And can you tell us a bit about the, the exact part of France you live in? I mean, we're all quite familiar with, you know, Marseille and, and Paris, of course, but can you tell us, give us a bit of insight into, into where you are? Right, yeah, so we're over the other side, so the southwest, but where we are, is, um, so it's on the Spanish border um, and up towards, uh, or Beirut would be the most well-known um, city, and that's about an hour north to the to the coast, and um, we're just tucked in right on the Pyrenees, so it's um, home to the Tour de France, they always pretty much have a stage come through Po because they do the big climbs up through the mountains, and um, yeah, that's, that's where we are, not a bad spot, pretty big, close to... big rugby town? Yeah, yeah. South all around the southwest is all the the French. So where we are, rugby's you know number one. Um, football, soccer's pretty distant. Two, basketball is actually big in the region. Um, handball and a few other um, basket sports like Pilota Basque and that. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's a big rugby town, and with the team going pretty well at the moment, we sort of sold out most weeks. And um, yeah, it's a good good following. Beautiful. Dude, how's the body holding up? Body's been good, eh? It's, um, I suppose it's made it tough. Obviously, I sort of come over here not really with you know with huge expectations of of things. You know, if I felt like my body wasn't um, enjoying rugby, I would have chucked it in. But um, it's been two and a half years, and and to be honest, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to call it quits at the end of this year. But body wise, I, I could keep going. It's just um, you know, I feel like it's it's time to move on to something else. But um, you know the no real. I had a couple injuries last year, but they were nothing major, and now it's um, yeah, it's been good. But actually, uh, some was your name popped up the other day. Is Bell Gully still holding a job for you back here in Wellington? <laughs> I hope not. Um, <laughs> uh, she's a fair, it's been a while since um, I donned the suit and, and did uh, anything legal, but it, it's fair to say. I mean, I. I did it, um, you know, it was a little career of four years of study and a bit of work, so I, I am, um, I still have the hope that I'll end up doing some sort of work using what I learnt, but um, yeah, I don't know if I'll be back in a big corporate firm, to be honest, but uh, I'd, I'd like to use it in some way. I suppose that's what I'll find out in the next couple of years, whether I've, um, you know, still, still want to do something with it or if there is something there that I um, could enjoy doing. 
Mate, just just touching on that. So um, your your rise to fame, so to speak, right? So you you went to Francis Douglas. You come to Wellington. You you're playing rugby for OBU, and um, I don't know. Did you make Wellington under nineteens? No, no, didn't even get a trial for the nineteens. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. Called straight into the Colts after a couple of injuries. I think was the yeah. way it worked. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember being in that cult side with you, and there was still I think there was like Tamani was there, maybe Ma got got pulled, got dragged, but there's some there's some reasonable centres around, eh? Like there wasn't like I think correct like, the Luff League brothers, yeah, Luff yeah, Hayden and Lee, they were all in front of me, yep. and um, yeah, who else? There was a couple others, but yeah, they sort of kept falling over, getting injured, so I was sort of picked more because I was the only one left standing, and. Um, had a couple of games in um, what was my, I can't remember, we're going back to 01 or something, and then 02 I sort of played myself and Tamari sort of had the full year, I think, um, and with yourself um, in that Colts team. And then, and then was the end of that Colts season in 2002 that you played NPC, or was it the final year that you played NPC? Um, yeah, no, the, the following year I played like one game for the Wellington Bees, and then. Uh, and that was the World Cup year, so it was 03. So Ma'a and Tana were away. And uh, and again, I think it was Peter Alatini got injured, and so I got called up from B's after only two games. And yeah, away I went. Hurricanes at the end of the year, and then All Blacks at the end of 04. Four, yeah. So how many years had you, so how many years out of university had you been? You would have been one year out. So you. Yeah, I was, I was finishing. So that year I was playing NPC, I was finishing my um, law degree. So my. My grades took a considerable dive as, uh, <laughs> as the juggling act started. That was pretty much impossible. I mean, if it wasn't my final year, I would have, you know, I would have had to stop. But it was the fact that I'd only had these three or four papers to go. I sort of did it in between um, trainings and managed to squeeze through. So your path into um, professional rugby is really quite unconventional now, isn't it? If you look at current players straight out of school. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually um, used to, well, joke about it, but I was probably serious that I, I doubt there'll be um, many All Blacks, you know, and not for lack of ability or anything or knowledge, you know, it's just uh, I don't think many would go, not not as a full, full-time student and then yeah. become an All Black. I don't think it'll happen again, to be honest. Um, you, you get the odd one that can, they'll juggle part-time study with, with um, you know, with a, a super contract or an NPC contract and... Um, they, they seem to be pretty good about it. The franchises now, they understand it's pretty important, so they're pretty accommodating, but yeah, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get a full-time student playing, able to play rugby, even even the age grade stuff's too hard. Yeah, and I'd say you can probably claim also to um, helping Bowden Barrett and Geordie and uh, Liam <laughs> Colpman and all the others from Francis Douglas into a black jersey as well. Maybe you open the door for those guys. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like to think so, but... To be honest, I don't. I think Bodie could have gone to school anywhere, and he would have ended up where he is. But uh, Absolutely. yeah, it's it's cool. You know, obviously, um, John John Mitchell. Don't forget, he was our first All Black. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, not a Test All Black, but he was an All Black. Yeah. And but yeah, it's not not um, a rich history uh, when I went to school, or even you know when Bodie went to school. So yeah, it's nice to see a few coming through now. It's become a real nursery now. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, really, but, important, but, really important question. How did you get the name Snakey? Snake? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can't give you a, 
an interesting, a very interesting answer. It was, it was a cricket coach when I was about 14, and he thought I was like a snake in the field because I used to, I, I was actually a, a specialist fielder for a while because I, <laughs> I, I was a bowler who broke down and I couldn't bat. So all I was doing was chasing down runs and trying to get run outs. So he called me a snake in the, in the grass and that was that was it. Outstanding. I was, I was hoping for like one of those Jason Eaton type stories, but everyone's <laughs> <laughs> disappointed when I have to tell the story. <laughs> the hey, hey, Conrad, we've got um, obviously France coming down under for the first. Well, it's the first time they've been down here since 2013. So it'd be great to get a bit of insight from you in terms of what we can expect from uh, France in that series, and maybe yep. some players to watch. Um, okay, well, France like. As you probably know, like the last three or four years, well, maybe even longer, they've, they've been sort of consistently underperforming. Um, you know, they're referred to as sort of sleeping giants up here because they, they do have a mass amount of talent. But just to put it bluntly, the, the you know, the, the National Federation, in terms of organising all the talent into a talent pool and sort of identifying it and bringing it up like you do in New Zealand, it just doesn't exist anywhere to the same extent so you and you've got massive consistencies with in terms of the coaches they've gone through a heap of coaches in the last few years um so they you're right there mate you just just fell down but um, <laughs> uh so anyway they seem to replace you know every bad year they'll replace the coach and then the coach replaces all the players because there's that many players around um so yeah i, I think i mean now it, Seems to be maybe that, that things are looking better. The Six Nations, although they, um, I think they finished up fourth or fifth, they actually had some pretty encouraging performances, particularly towards the end. So they actually, I, I think they'll, you know, go if they can build on what they've they, they did through the Six Nations and with the coach, they um, they could be, you know, could be decent. And um, they've got a few good guys, um, Wesley Fafana, who I really rate, will be coming back into the midfield. Um, Bastero, who's ended up being captain, is actually playing some really good footy. Um, most New Zealanders will just know him as this rather overweight midfielder, but he's uh, he's playing with Ma'a and Toulon, and, and he's he's oh. trimmed down, and he's actually really sharp. And, what a combination um, that would be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mate, you've got Malakai Fikatoa. You've got about five others that they can pick from in Toulon, so <laughs> it's, um, it's pretty freakish. Do you, do you call yeah. it some mysteries when you're playing Toulon? <laughs> yeah, I try, I try and miss that game, but I've actually ended up playing almost every time. But uh, yeah, they're 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 a, they're a different species down there. They've not got that many players, but um, but yeah, the freak side they're um, they could be all right, eh? Which is which would be good. You know, I think they can um, pose a good challenge, and it'll be a, obviously that time of year is difficult at the end of a long season. Um, but you know, I, I still think they'll they'll give a decent go of the three games. Yeah, the win over England was encouraging, and I, I know France, obviously, they hold that rivalry against the All Blacks in huge esteem, so I can imagine it's going to be a cracking three-test series down here. Yeah, that, that, you know, I think they deserved that win. That obviously, they pushed Ireland from closer than anyone, um, although the game itself wasn't that great, and they should have beaten the Welsh in, um, in what was that, the second-to-last game. They sort of deserved to win that, so... Uh, you know, they, they were better probably than where they were positioned in the Six Nations. Yeah. Mate, what, um, just going back to playing against Ma, how much chat during the game is, is happening when you're playing against him? Uh, a, a little bit. A little bit. Not a lot. Um, 
I, I always try and start it up. He, he tries to keep it pretty serious and then um, he'll wait to the end. There's a few others like Jason Eaton you mentioned before. That's just pretty much um, <laughs> garbage being chatted from the first minute. We hardly <laughs> see each other a lock in a centre, so it's uh, pretty entertaining. Um, but, yeah, all, all the Kiwis, it's something I actually really enjoy now. It's um, playing fellow Kiwis who don't mind having a bit of chat. Well, isn't Jason Eden doing well, captaining his side? And I hear he's fluent in French. Are you are you at the, his level speaking French yet? Well, I'd say I'm at his level, and I don't think either of us are fluent. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's doing he's doing brilliantly well. And you know, there's a lot of Kiwis you can say that for. You know, that come over here and um, you know for for whatever reason, whether it's a style that suits them or they just enjoy the the environment um, or or a fresh start. You know, these, these Kiwi boys, um, you know, you talk about Alex Tiller, I don't know if you remember him playing in Wellington. From you know, he came Cats, Conrad, of course we remember him. Hey? He's from Mouse yeah. Cats, of course we remember him. Right, and that guy's a, you know, he's a hero over here. He's had, I don't know, he's been seven, eight, maybe longer years and, um, you know, done really well for himself. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys like that. He's a he's a physical freak, though. I think he... Um, yeah. Yeah, he was a, he was a one-off, and I, I think... Yeah, I'm not sure why it didn't happen for him here, but um, obviously yeah. he's done very well over there. Is he eligible for France, or is, is that because he's played sevens for New Zealand? He's not allowed to play. Do the oh, don't don't know if he has played for sevens, then maybe that rules him out. But I mean, yeah, you know, it's um, it's been a bit of chat yeah. that he'd make the team, but hasn't he wouldn't been... be far off. I mean, maybe not now. Like he's you know he had sort of before I arrived. You know, apparently when he was playing for Montpellier and he was. At that stage, like one of the biggest Lucies in, in France, yeah. um, you know, now there's, there's probably be a few others that would sort of lay claim to that. But uh, yeah, he's still he'd be um, if he is eligible, he wouldn't be far off. Who, who over there in terms of apart from Ma and the big fella? Are there are a couple of niggly backlines you don't like playing against because they're they're just so unconventional. You can't get a read on what they're trying to do. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's fair to say. The few, I mean, La Rochelle, um, they're a team that's done really well, you know, particularly last year and through this year. And, and their style of play, it's, it's hard to, to play against. And it's not like they, they don't play attractive, frankly. It's really good to watch, but it's just um, there's no real pattern to it, as you, as you would uh, talk about in New Zealand. You know, there's, there's no back-forward sort of structure in terms of, a pod, you know, that you know what most super teams do, sort of have a pod of three or four in the midfield and two but wider when you get into open play. They're just a just an open license. Anyone close to the ball, they'll pick and go and then they'll fling it wide and you know, it's just um, it's crazy. They don't they don't kick the ball. They from the kickoff yeah. they will work their way up the field and yeah, and they they're a great team to watch when they're on song. But uh, so yeah, you get a few teams like that in France, so it's it's been good for me because it's, um, you know, it sort of takes me a bit longer to work them out than when in Super Rugby you sort of, uh, at times it feels like you've seen it all before. Yeah. yeah. It, it always looked like, watching you play footy, that you had actually had watched the video of the game the night before because you just ended up in positions, <laughs> especially on defence. But how, how did Conrad Smith get there? <laughs> how else would you play for about 10 years or like I was while you doing it? I, I think I had seen every backline move, put it that way. 
Hey, Conrad, going back to earlier this year, mate, and obviously you're part of the Brisbane 10s, um, can you just chat to us a little bit about that, the experience of coming down under in a French team to play against super teams, and, and obviously there's um Fijian contingent there as well, but just how good was that experience? Yeah, I, I, I loved it, eh? I think the team got a big uh, thrill out of it. It was, it was tough, um, admittedly, when we were first, um, you know, they, they first talked about it. Um, it was because it's only our... The only real two-week gap in that in this part of the season. Um, so instead of a holiday, we we're all jumping on a plane, flying down to play more rugby. But um, to be honest, for us Kiwi boys, it meant we got to go home the week before the competition for five, six days. And the French boys, had, you know, most of them had never been to Australia, so they were jumping at the bit for that, you know, a bit of sun and um, a chance to play rugby down in Australia. And it, and it was good. I mean, it's tough. We've come through a big, you know front part of the season, bottom minutes, um, playing 15s and against super teams that had been in pre-season for a month and were all in uh, pretty pretty good nick. So it took us a while to get used to the game. But, uh, yeah, we, we really enjoyed it. I think the team's pretty keen to get another invite, to be honest. How was the heat? Yeah, well, it wasn't as bad as last year, apparently. It was yeah. tough. Like, it was tough for us <laughs> coming from the middle of our winter. But... Uh, yeah, I could see why if it had got any hotter, it would have been crazy. There was one point, I think, on the, Saturday, on the second day where it got really hot. In our last game, it was pretty crazy, but um, but nothing like what it was the year before, which uh, would have been real tough. Absolutely. And look, great to see the likes of uh, Carlos Spencer running out there, um, obviously for the Blues, the old wildcard players. Potentially maybe a Hurricanes wildcard spot for you in a few years' time, mate. <laughs> That's an awesome idea. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not putting myself forward to that. But uh, yeah, there was a, it was a great, great crew. Actually, I was surprised how many people um, I knew. Obviously, obviously, didn't know many players, but the amount of management that I did know it probably showed my age. Um, it seemed like there was two or three from every coaching staff, and then you know a few guys that were filling these wildcard spots. It was a great reunion. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. Hey, mate, I'm just jumping back into your All Blacks career. So, test debut in 2004. Obviously a bit of a slow burn to get to get into the ABs, but can you just tell us about that moment? I guess that moment you are first selected. Where were you? Um, your reactions? How you found out? I don't think it was a slow uh-huh. burn. In 2004, he only made the ones in Colts in 2001. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I'll take that back. <laughs> no, I know what you mean, but uh, yeah, I, I remember I was sitting in my, my flat, my Wellington flat um, on Rintel Street, and I was all by myself. And uh, I listened to it on the radio. Jeez, really? Nice. No phone yeah. call. No, no, no. Well, not when you your first when you first named. I actually I wasn't going to listen to it, and I'd got a heap of texts saying, "Are ah, you listening to it?" So I flicked on the radio. And, so, have you uh, been given any indication you might be close to being selected, or you just literally had to well, tune in? Other than other than you know me, like the sort of a couple of weeks before. You know, well, we had done really well on the NPC, so there was a lot of sort of interest in people telling me that I was going to make it, but he sort of didn't take too much notice of it. Why well, didn't? And then, uh, and I, I actually remember because they read it in alphabetical order, and Casey Lala's name was read out, and I actually thought, oh, you know, that, that's it. He'll, he'll go as the centre. Um, but Smith came a few names after, and yeah, it was changed, changed the course of that day, that's for sure. Yeah. Would have been a great day on Rintel Street. Yeah, well, I didn't have anyone to celebrate with. So I just, I, I remember putting, I had a sandwich. I was midway through a sandwich. I had to put that down. I don't think it got eaten. And, uh, 
And then I just answered the phone for about the next four hours. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And tell us about your memories of that first test match against Italy. How was it pulling on the black jersey and performing the hucker and, and going through that whole process for the very first time? Yeah, well, I was playing yeah, a week, um, a week later, it would have been two weeks later. But it was, happened quick, which was good, and I, I didn't have too much time to think about it. I was just up with the team, training, and then um, playing in, in Rome. You know, City, I would have loved to go and gone to at any stage, but for an all-black debut, it was pretty special. And had my brothers, who I hadn't actually seen for a um, well, year, one of them a year, one a couple of years, they were both living in London and so they came down to watch it and um, so yeah, it was special in a lot of ways and obviously pulling on the jersey and all that and starting with a try, <laughs> first touch of the ball, it was uh, all pretty surreal to be honest. Yeah. Mate, when you, did the, when you had the transition from the Hurricanes to the All Blacks at that stage, um, what were your expectations around like systems and, and process in terms of you play the game? Were you expecting a big... Uh, step up in terms in terms of how hard it's going to be to process and, and the understanding, or was it a, a relatively smooth transition coming out of the Hurricanes and, and moving into the All Blacks? Well, like because I hadn't even I hadn't played it I hadn't started a Hurricanes game by the time I had my All Blacks debut. I'd only been on because um, I came into the Hurricanes and they obviously had Ma Tana and they um, drafted down Tane Tuipulotu and uh, so I was like the fourth midfielder and I got about five minutes. Um, that year, so yeah, it was um, like I say, it happened so quick that I sort of didn't have to. And maybe it is a bit easier at centre. You're sort of adjusting off other players rather than learning a whole new system. And um, I don't know for whatever reason, it was just uh, it was something I enjoyed. And you know, probably in following years, I always enjoyed the step into the All Blacks just because everyone's so good at their jobs. You sort of um, can just concentrate on your own, and it's you know to be our centre's pretty straightforward, so it was, uh, you know, it made it pretty easy. And talking about centre, mate, your whole career was really, I mean, a lot of players do shift about positions, but literally, you played centre no. literally your whole career, did you? Did you dabble in any other positions at any time? Or? I, I, I think I ended up at 12 when I got sinned a few times, um, <laughs> and, and I don't think that really counts, yeah. so... Uh, Oh, I've, I've been hanging out for some other jersey other than 13. Yeah, yeah. Did you play halfback not, at school? I played halfback at first 15 because I was so small that I couldn't play anywhere else. And, um, yeah, and I came down to Wellington and only that was my first year in Colts, I played uh, halfback for about three or four games before a, the OBU coach told me I, I wasn't a halfback and moved <laughs> me to the midfield. It's incredible. Mate, who, growing up at school, who, who influenced your career? I mean, and, and I suppose there's probably a couple of phases. There's that pre-professional uh, phase when you're playing amateur footy and then obviously later on. Are there a couple of key people at different phases that you can talk about? Um, well, I suppose well, early on it was, you know, my old man was a um, pretty decent rugby player but he, and he wasn't at all, a, um, you know, he didn't push me towards rugby or anything and, He'd, he'd give me advice if I asked for it, but uh, he was just someone who was really supportive and would come and watch every game, coach my teams if there was no teacher to coach us. And, um, and yeah, and I mean, I had two older brothers, and I suppose between them they were the ones that um, motivated me, whether it was with backyard rugby or, you know, just a word of advice, like I said. Uh, and then I, I suppose afterwards I, I always thought I was pretty fortunate coming into 
down to Wellington um, and guys like Jason Spice and Paul Steinmetz who I'd met at OBU were the ones that sort of uh, I was playing alongside when I first started at Wellington and they, um, you know, they sort of kept me pretty relaxed and kept my feet on the ground so I sort of didn't get too overwhelmed by it all um, and, and then even, you know, obviously Tana um, once I made the Hurricanes and then sort of into the first stage of the All Blacks, he was there and was obviously someone I had a massive amount of respect for. So, yeah, I, I think most players tell you, you know, about timing, how important it is. And um, I always felt pretty lucky that the times and the teams that I made, especially early on, I was sort of close to some um, people that were, you know, pretty awesome role models for me and sort of made, made the, the whole thing pretty easy. And as, as a youngster, I'm talking a real youngster at 10, 11 year old, who, who were the players that were your idols back at, back at that age? Zinzan. Uh, Zinzan Brook, funnily enough, not that, not that I was going to be a number eight. I just loved his competitiveness. Um, I remember, like, I'd, I'd watch Shield Blacks, and when he ran out to play, I just sort of would relax and think, you know, we've got this. We've got this. Yeah. <laughs> He's not going to let us lose. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and, and probably JK because I remember that the um, '87 try in the corner. I used to reenact that in my backyard. So yeah, they, they were my heroes. Absolutely. But have you got a friend, an annoying friend who's like Zinzan Brook, the guy that you know, everything's a competition, everything's everything's wants to gamble and everything. Oh well, the rugby players, yeah, there's, there's always plenty of them. Corey Jane was was particularly bad in my time with the Hurricanes. Turning, you know, competition out of everything. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few. I'm even trying to think. Um, even club and uh, Wellington days. Who would be the most? No, there's plenty. Jason Spice again was card games that were more competitive. You know, an hour before the kickoff of the actual game. <laughs> yeah. What's Corey Jane? If we ask anyone, like, who's the worst person in the room with? Who's the most annoying yeah. team? <laughs> The answer's always Corey Jane. Why is that? Yeah, well, you, you just have to spend a day. You probably spend an hour with him and you understand, especially if it involves any sort of game. He's just a, he's just a, he's a special individual. He'll admit it himself. He'll, he'll cheat. He'll, you know, he'd make Steve Smith at the moment look like um, you know, a gentleman. Do you keep... Do you keep do, do you care to comment on that, actually? Yeah, you're a bit of a. You mentioned you're a bit of a cricketer yourself, Conrad. You wouldn't have dabbled in any uh, ball tampering in the outfield, would you? No, I, I wouldn't. But geez, yeah, I think most enough comments to be made. It's obviously we've got Ben Mullen, an Australian in our team, so he is. He was keeping his head very low today. He, you don't have a South African in your team as well. Yeah, we do. We do, and he was. Um, he was quite chipper. That's He's quite a quiet. Don't believe it. He was making a lot of noise. <laughs> Brilliant. Hey, and just obviously, I mean, your all black career spanned um, you know, 12, 13 seasons. Over that time, 94 test matches, if you could name your hardest midfield opponent combination you faced, who, what, what combo was that? Oh, combination? I'd say um, uh, Sean, uh, Jean de Villiers and, um, oh, yeah. geez, I'm going to forget his name now because he left after. Um, What's the other South African centre? Yeah, Pierre. Um, you know, help me out here. We have to jump on the Google. We're a rugby podcast. <laughs> Get a Google it. We know. We know who you think of. Hey, we can stay yeah. up on John John de Villiers. John is an de Villiers. outstanding yeah. um, midfield, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 For, what reason, for what reasons? For what reasons were they were they hard to play against? 
What's that? Why, why would you choose them? Uh, I, I suppose they were, you know, South Africa, what, what year was that? You know, 09, they, they, that was probably the one time in my all-black career that uh, a team was better than us. And we, you know, I still don't like admitting it, but they had the wood on us. They beat us, was it, three times that year. And um, Jacques Ferry, that's the one. Yeah, and the, you know, and those, those two were the midfield. I think for all of those tests, and um, it was when me and, and my ma and myself had just started, and we just had some really good battles against them. And uh, I don't think, you know, I don't feel like they dominated us, or we did, would dominate them. It was just a good tussle, and um, you know, so they were, uh, and, t- and two good guys as well. You know, they we respected the way they played and the way they sort of went about their work. So uh, yeah, it'd be an easy answer. So you guys had, you know, post-match, you've, it's really tough test matches, obviously, but post-match, you guys are having a beer, you're having a chat, you are um, obviously have that mutual respect for each other. Yeah, it was a bit tough. Um, you know, there wasn't sort of, the after-matches didn't really um, allow the players to sort of mingle from both teams. You, yeah. you get the odd one more in, in the Northern Hemisphere because they play the games a bit early and it made it a bit, um, you know, there was a bit more opportunity, but... With the South Africans and the Australians, it was actually quite tough. Um, but we we did start, you know, with the South Africans going into the changing room straight after games, mm. um, and that happened at super level as well. It was something I really enjoyed and tried to always, you know, make it make the teams do it. Um, and yeah, I, I just think it's a pretty cool thing about rugby when it does happen, and you always seem to. Um, even even when you've lost, you seem to take the loss a little bit better when you go sort of go and see the guys and realise the. Decent, decent fellows anyway. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not the annoying guys that you've just been battling out with for the last eighty minutes. They, uh, you know, they're just like you, and they're trying to win. But it's, it's not the end of the world if you don't. Yeah. An interesting comment. It's not the end of the world if you don't. You know, you don't hear that from an All Black too often. But that's kind of your outlook on life. You seem pretty reasonably well balanced, I guess. Rather holistic, you might yeah. say. <laughs> Yeah, mate, oh, I don't know, I don't know whether it's, you know, you talk about the way, my pathway into the game or, or what it was, just the way I was brought up, but even when I first started, I felt like, you know, rugby was uh, it was just an opportunity that I'd been given and, um, you know, I was going to make the most of it and if it didn't work out, then I'd go back and enjoy playing for OBU and um, being a lawyer, if that's what it meant, but, uh, you know, the longer the ride went, you know, the more I enjoyed it, but I sort of didn't you don't want to lose sight that it's, uh, you know, I was just lucky to be there doing what I did and um, it, it didn't make me any better than the guy that was still playing for OBU and having to go go into the law firm every day from Monday to Friday. Um, yeah, that was always my take on it. Mate, I used to um, see you driving around in the little, was it Ford Mondeo, and all the other All Blacks would have like XR8 V8s and massive trucks, but you, you went for the more economical option. Do you want to talk us through that decision? <laughs> yeah, it's something I've, I've copped a lot of grief about. The, orig- <laughs> the original decision was actually that a Ford Falcon VX it wouldn't actually fit up my flat driveway in, in Rental Street, the same flat. <laughs> so I had to have a Mondeo, otherwise I had to park it on the street. But admittedly, afterwards, I... Um, Got so much grief for it, I thought, buggy up, I'm going to keep this thing. And, uh, yeah, I, I had him on day. I even went to a uh, Ford, what's it, 
the little focus. I even had a focus for a couple of years. <laughs> Just to annoy the others. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that fuel economy was brilliant on that one. <laughs> oh, it was. <laughs> hey, mate, and obviously you've announced your, well, it sounds like you're announcing your retirement effectively um, at the end of this season, um, French season, mate. Um, what would you miss most about playing the game once once you finally bring those boots up? Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a few things. Um, I I know the I don't know the the competitiveness is um, you know like I I know I will have to find other ways to get the competitive juices flowing, um, but I don't think it'll ever amount to you know the um, the thrill or even the 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 gutting feeling of, of losing and the chance to, you know, go back out there and do it um, the following week. It's um, it's pretty special. You go, you work pretty hard with your mates and, um, and then sort of put it all on the line and it's pretty cutthroat whether you win or lose, but uh, it's also, it's, it's pretty awesome and you do learn to enjoy it um, whatever way it goes. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's something you, you'll never replicate and even uh, if you do start playing touch football or something, but, um, yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm trying to prepare myself for that, and I'll, I'll see how it go. And obviously, mate, you've got plenty of options um, post-career, but do you know what you're going to do next, or it's still still up in the air and yet to be decided? Um, yeah, and, and that's, I, I'm, it is still, it's a little bit up in the air. I have um, I've sort of worked pretty hard, even sort of since I um, arrived here, sort of trying to work out a plan. And um, we are, we're keen to stay in France. The family's really happy, and um, the club the club here is, you know, I think... Um, Got a got a pretty bright future. It's well set up, um, and you can't say the same about most French clubs. They're all pretty different, but I, I think the one here is um, pretty special and could you know could go a long way in the next few years. So I'd, I'd like to stick around, and they've offered me you know a few um, smaller coaching roles, and I might just try my hand at that. Um, but I'm also keen to do a few other things, and I've um, worked with the international rugby players who uh, have got some pretty Cool, cool things, and they operate out of Dublin. So uh, as long as I'm up here, then I can do some work for them as well. And hopefully, it'll lead me into something that uh, you know gets me up in the morning and inspires me for the next stage of my life. Absolutely, sounds like you're in the right part of the world for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mate, we um, we won't keep you all evening, so we'll just rock through. We've got some fan questions here from um, the social webs and. The first fellow, Pete Harold, he's asking this from Instagram. Uh, any chance of making a return to Small Blacks TV as the anchor man? Pete, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, not a, not a huge chance, I wouldn't say. I'm, uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's a few other young up and coming All Blacks that I can leave that role vacant to. But one one of my fondest memories, I've, I've still got the DVDs. And I'll, I'm looking forward to showing my son one day. That's <laughs> Hey mate, one here from Twitter. This is Margaret Alive, who's a huge fan of the All Blacks. She's constantly tweeting us. She asked if you could have one final game, or when you have your final game, and you could choose any midfield partner to be your combination with. Who would that be? Great question. Oh, I'd be hard not to pick Ma. Of uh, obviously, pretty good mate. We uh, shared a long time um, playing with each other in Wellington and the All Blacks, and. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty cool relationship. Both, you know, we're from pretty different backgrounds, and um, we sort of started out as competitors for the same spot, you know, when, <laughs> to play alongside Tana, and we ended up playing together. And 
becoming really good mates. So, uh, you know, that would be a, an easy option for who I'd want to play next to me. Yeah. And with, with my mate, aside from playing with playing against them reasonably frequently now, do you still text and keep in contact with them and stuff? Yeah, yeah, more so than probably uh, most of the other guys. Uh, like, like I say, we've become pretty good mates when you play that much footy together. So, uh, yeah, I'm always um, keeping in touch with them. I, I went and stayed down in Toulon uh, the first summer. We had the family went down and um, caught up with his family, so it was pretty cool. And, you know, I'm sure it'll carry on as long as we're in the same country. Yeah. Did you play cards against them? <laughs> no, we didn't have time. We didn't have time for that. I, I have steered, steered away from his poker table uh, and all that time. Yeah, I think um, he's just probably the Steve Smith of poker, so we'll, <laughs> we'll move on. Um, <laughs> Hayden Murray from Twitter. Which international team did you like playing against the most? Oh, um, probably, uh, yeah, South Africa. South Africa, especially in South Africa. They were almost... They were my favourite games, my, you know, favourite opposition. It was, it was special. It was um, their supporters are unreal, and I, I just always felt like South Africans were the closest to us in terms of their attitude towards the game. Like they'd give it death for eighty, but you know they'd still sort of look you in the eye afterwards. And as much as it hurt if you'd lost, you know they'd still shake your hand and um, have a chat, and you know they were just good blokes, you know, in the large part. So. Yeah, they were always my favourite team, and playing over there was always my favourite favourite place to play. For sure. And uh, Joe Tomati from Facebook asks, which roommate was the worst snorer? <laughs> oh, I tell you what, he's not an all-black, but Daniel Ramsey, who is uh, played in Wellington, and he's come over here to play with him here in Poe. Um, played for the Southland Stags. Southland, that's my lock, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Yes, would, and he has a roar on him like he wouldn't <laughs> believe. <laughs> so, I've learned pretty early on you steer clear of room with him, so <laughs> you take that. Mate, uh, interesting fellow called James Murphy from Facebook has asked, uh, what do you do with all your All Black jerseys? And um, yeah, do they go to opponents or family charity? Were they on trade me? What's the, what's the yeah, there? yeah. Uh, I've uh, yeah, I, no, I look after them all. Um, I've I've I swapped a fair few, especially you know after a couple of years, you realise um, you you build up a few, and then you have the courage to swap a few. Um, but no, I've, I've kept them all. I don't. Um, they're all tucked away in, a, in my garage. <laughs> And uh, I have got, I've given, you know, I gave my second, well, my first, my debut, I gave that to my parents, I gave to my school, my club, um, you know, I've, got, I've given a few away, I certainly haven't sold any, I haven't put any on trade me, um, but yeah, I'm, uh, so I've kept the rest of them, and they're all waiting now, I'll think of something else to do with them at one stage. Nice, outstanding. Hey mate, we've got one final question from the fans here, Steve Pike, a really insightful question here actually from uh, Stephen Pike from Facebook. Uh, what what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, that is tough. I, I do uh, Tana. It was, and and uh, I, I remember I, was, I might have been my second year, and you sort of go through that stage where you're probably trying to do too much, and um, and I just remember him saying, "Just sounds pretty simple and corny, but it was, he just said, do what you do well.'" Um, and I sort of looked at him and sort of didn't know what he meant and he just said look you're a bit different than the rest of us but you know you know what you do well and, and just do that well so um it was sort of something i stuck by sort of ever since and um you know i, I always tell it to 
young guys because so I think they get into trouble when they try to, you know, they see someone else and try and copy it and it, it doesn't always help them. So I, I think that was the best advice I'd give and Brilliant. Um, yeah, it worked for me. Yeah, perfect. Mate, you're an inspiration to all the skinny Pākehā kids out there who, um, you know, think they need to be 100 kgs to play in the midfield for the All Blacks. It's, uh, mate, absolute stunning career you've had, but um, more so just I think you've been an absolute outstanding bloke on and off the field and, and one of, I guess, OBU's probably proudest son and, and one of Wellington's too. So, mate, just really appreciate you taking time to come and chat with us. We'll um, we'll let you, let you go to get back with your family, but um, all the best for um, what the year may bring and, and whatever decision you end up making at the, at the end of the year. Cheers, mate. Not a problem. Pleasure, pleasure to chat. Thank you very much. We'll, we'll get you back once you've uh, you, you've moved into phase two or phase three of, <laughs> of Conrad Smith. <laughs> Sounds good. My, my sort of style, this interview. I like it. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for your time, Conrad. Appreciate it, mate, and all the best. No worries. Good luck with it all. Cheers, Thanks, bro. Mate. See you, mate. Cheers, bro. Yeah. Cheers, bro. Bye. Oh, 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 oh.